want to say thanks, uh, Kevin Grab. This is beautiful. And I, I just look at it and I smell it. It tells the smell of fresh cut wood. Thank you, Kevin. This is amazing. Yeah. Many of you uh, were online sharing their two gatherings this week, and there are several different stipulations that I did not agree to necessarily, even though I wrote the post, because I didn't think we'd get 40 shares on our Facebook wall for two gatherings. Uh, one of those was Bible Jeopardy. So yes, you get dressed up, clean cut, Scott, for at least four minutes of Bible Jeopardy, maybe a little longer, but thank you. There it is. There it is. There it is. So we're going to play this wonderful game now, friends, as only we at E3 can. There's several rules that are about E3 Bible Jeopardy. This is only for E3 Bible Jeopardy. The dividing line is this pillar. So if you're sitting this way, you're on one team. Okay. If you're on this team, you're on the other team. One team, the other team. Those are your team names, okay? We go in order of the categories. I'll give those in a moment. It's 100, 200, 300. There is a daily double on the board here this morning, okay? So just be mindful. If one team gets a daily double, the other team should not give them the answer or help them in any way. If the other team gets a daily double, this team should not. Now, online folks, I'm looking at you directly. We've had some problems with some of your answers lately. They've been non-existent. So please, those who are online, type in your answers. Even though it's seven minutes delayed, I will go back and check and give you credit for those points that you did earn here in Bible Jeopardy. So with that, friends, raucous round of applause cue. Let's play Bible Jeopardy. The categories this morning are the Bible, <laughs> culture of cultures, and, of course, potpourri, which is a mixture of a variety of different stuff. There are three numbers. We did a coin flip to see who would start. And Pastor Mike, would you select the first category, please? The Bible. The Bible. I'm so shocked by this. The pastor picks the Bible. 4-100, don't get out of shape. Daniel's friends in the furnace were Meshach, Shadrach, and this person. I will accept what is a Bendigo even though it should be who is a Bendigo. 100 points over here for this team. Well done. See, and you get the, the little nuance there. I said, don't get out of shape. Uh, bend. Uh, for 200. It says in the script, prepare for booze. Considered complete. The Protestant Bible has this many books. Well done. <laughs> For, two, for 300. While originally written in Hebrew and Greek, this saint translated the Bible to Latin. Oh my, I don't know that one. <laughs> and the answer is, who is Jerome? Yeah, every, uh, yeah every, uh, Jerome, I knew him. Yeah. Let's go to culture, culture for 100. This continent has the most world heritage sites in the world. I heard it over there. What is Europe? What is Europe? Well done. It's culture, friends. Europe? I mean, come on. Italy, France, the other ones. And be excited because that other team, you have received the... It's a video daily double, okay? So consider how much you're going to wager. Would you... It's all of it, okay? I just heard all of it. A true daily double. Well done, that team. Based on the pictures in front of you, and I know we lost two TVs, tell me what the furthest left fork is for. What is salad? Who's, who's set? There it is. 
the winner, the salad fork for culture cultures. And now, friends, we have a real true Jeopardy game going on here. For 300, maybe an example of bad culture, this empire took over the most land in the history of the world. When you just mumble, I can't hear what you're saying. What is the Mongols? Genghis Khan for 300. Well done. I don't even know who that was, but I heard a woot. Sounded like a different voice. Okay. And now, Larry Coffey. Thank you, Larry Coffey. Potpourri for 100. Contrary to the title, this artist sang Bad to the Bone in 1982. Who is, who, who is? Yes, yes, yes. You're close. Larry Coffey. Well done. And did you also get the, the, the little... Contrary to the title, Bad to the Bone, Thorough Good, get it? For 200, this small flightless bird is a symbol for New Zealand and their national bird. What is a kiwi? Wow, close, close, close. There's still a chance, not at all, but just pretend like you can still win. It's always funny in real Jeopardy when there's like, you know, 27,000 and the other person has zero and they're like, I'm still going to get a... All right, here we go. Four three hundred. This hardly famous president was actually the first to be heard on the radio. <laughs> Who is Warren Harding? Round of applause, that team, and your two superstars who did all of the heavy lifting. Well done, knowing your culture. The other team, I'm proud of you as well. Warren Harding, do you see that, that, that again? The question, hardly famous. Warren Hard. Let's get into the, the message this morning. Let's get into the, the, the passage. This morning, I want to talk about culture and environment and how these two intersect. And I was planned, see, here's where we're going to do this for the Facebook people who've been wanting to see me talk with my hands tied behind my back. I'm just going to tie this. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Here we yeah, go. Here we go. No, please, allow me, Scott. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. This morning I want to talk about culture and environment and how these two intersect. Thanks to the Facebook shares, we're also introducing Bible Jeopardy and on other things like hand, tying behind my hands behind my back. But I also want to point out that I had a great preaching professor who said, never do anything unnecessary to detract from the overall message. So like Houdini, <laughs> I'm going to at least do three, three seconds of that. See, in most, but not all, churches, it is seen as not polite to scream or be angry with the pastor preaching. Most churches, though, don't do Bible jeopardy during their message, right? But the culture we have fostered here at E3 has brought us to this place. But consider, back in 2021, when we were doing Bible jeopardy for the first time as a Mark review, as we're going through chapter by chapter of the book of Mark, had I said, we were going to play Bible jeopardy, and no one talked, how awful that would have been for me, number one. The culture we have brought forth to this point in E3 during my reign of terror, and just in general, is that you're a church who's comfortable screaming back at the pastor, saying random things and even answers that are even not even close to what is asked at times. <laughs> See, we have a growing and evolving culture here at Element 3, and every church does. But, interestingly, Culture can be fostered not only towards goodness and Bible jeopardy, but culture in a church can be fostered towards evil as well. As humans, we have a keen sense of the good guys versus the bad guys. 
we understand that as we mature, we do understand that every culture, every person comes with a paradoxical version of both. To some person, I am a good guy, but it's the other point in this world and in this time we live in, I may be seen as quite a bad guy to another person. But that also works in larger groups as well. E3 could be seen as a dynamic, amazing church where I feel at home, but it could also be seen to others as some heretical cult. It might be a little bit of both. Consider the sheer amount of evil in the world that has been on display in 2023, just for example, and how often and how quickly our media and culture flips between, oh, they're the good guys versus, oh, whoop, I'm just kidding. Now they're the bad guys. It's quite confusing, yes? Yet churches aren't immune to the culture going from holy to tarnished. It doesn't happen in a vacuum either, but instead it has grown over time. Countless celebrity pastors who have fallen from grace fostered a culture where they had the power to take advantage of the ministry going around and the people around them. We can all name celebrity pastors who have fallen from grace, not only in 2023, but in the past 10 years, and it's a black eye for all of us. But the culture, see, for that point, or in any worldly culture, it stems from an environment of people gathering together for a common purpose. As I've said in many other uh, sermons before, it's an idea of a theological anthropology, that there's a spirit of E3 that comes together when E3 is gathered together. By myself, I'm not a spirit. But when I have two or more gathered, you know the Bible verse, the spirit of E3 is active and alive even at 9 a.m. or at 11 a.m., amen? But my question this morning is how does the church build a culture healthily? And then conversely, we can also go that backwards, how does a bad church culture come about? Through a lot of experience and a lot of rewriting, lots of rewrites, here's a recipe that I want to put forward to build an environment of healthy church culture as we get into the word this morning. These incorporate our mission of making disciples, our vision of deep faith and authentic community and emerging culture, and all of our values that you see when you walk through those doors in our lobby. So in a church, to foster culture appropriately, it has six steps with two that are tied. First, it absolutely requires the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit has to be the driving factor for fostering a church culture. Number two, it needs time and it's also tied with number two, it requires people. To foster a culture in a church that is healthy, we need time and people. If you look around just for a second, we got both. Yay. We have time and people. Number four, it has some leadership and it has some structure. You just can't willy-nilly have a church with crazy things happening all the time and expect that culture to grow healthily over time with people. Get it? We'll get more into that in a moment. Five a dash of vision, and six, in a building with resources. Now, as you look at those on the screen, I'd like to put forth that most churches who have a poor culture or a declining culture suffer from oftentimes doing this list backwards. Take a second. It's in a building that's the holiest of places where a semi-celebrity leader gives a profound vision who instills tons of structure and rules and stipulations that are using people outside of time often that chokes out the Holy Spirit from a place. I'll give our de-churched friends, those who have been in a church and have had some sort of trauma or had some hard struggles that are coming to our place for safety or for healing, 
just a time to reflect upon those churches you may have come from, including myself, that have been hard and maybe done these culture steps backwards or at minimum out of order. But enough about other places. Because I can throw shade at other denominations or churches, but friends, I love this church. And I absolutely love us striving to build a culture that defines and delineates who E3 will be and become for now, but also for the generations of believers. I love that at E3 I can hear the sound of babies cooing and awing and whatever else words they're saying over there. Thank you. The generations is who we're actually doing our work for today. Amen? What I want to convey is the necessity of E3 cultures moving and then how to address that also in my own life. So let's start again with number one. We seek the fruit of the Spirit versus the flesh. Paul writes to the Galatians on this matter in Galatians 5 to a church that was torn on how to create a Christ-like culture in their infant church. They didn't have the Bible in Galatians. They were the original recipients of the letter to the Galatians Bible. So they're struggling. What do we do with this whole church thing? How do we be a little Christian? And Paul writes this, verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Fun list. (laughs) I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the spirit is, friends, with me here, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And he goes on. It's a beautiful passage. See, friends, we are not perfect. Amen? Set me. But Make sure you're listening. But do you read how Paul states that perfection is not a fruit of the Spirit? In my role as trauma counselor here at E3, which I'm not joking about, it's a role that I, I, I love. I love coming in and, and talking with all the existing people over the time. The pandemic, mistrust, division, dissension, ambition, discord, and jealousy were still evident. Maybe not as a church necessarily, because the church seemed to be great on Sundays, but individually there was a lot of questioning, a lot of worrying, a lot of bit of just unease. Now, as far as I knew, there was no drunkenness, orgies, or witchcraft. That's supposed to be a joke. You're supposed to laugh at that. Okay, I guess maybe there is. We should maybe talk about that. In, in all honesty, we were talking before the service. Whenever you can say orgy from the, 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 the pulpit, it's just a weird moment. So I had to say it a few times so I wouldn't giggle, okay? But in all honesty, the culture that begins to move towards the flesh versus the spirit can easily find itself torn in its direction. I had a mentor who really took me under his wing and and told me a a principle that he used and why he had a board who helped guide him like we have our wise counsel here. He called it the North versus Northeast principle. And he said, all of us feel like in our lives, we're heading North. We have a purpose. We have a direction. We understand what our goal is. But oftentimes we're accidentally heading Northeast. And and, and when you think you're going North and you're going Northeast, it's not a big deal for a few first steps. But miles and states, and countries away, it's a huge deal. Because the journey we're on is a huge deal. We're trying to push people towards a relationship with Jesus that'll impact them for eternity, amen? And so if I'm thinking I'm heading north towards getting people to do that, but I'm actually going northeast, we get into these flesh issues and not the fruit of the Spirit. 
And so we have people who come around us saying, hey, we all have compasses. We all are joining saying, yeah, all of our compasses are pointing north, Pastor Scott. Let's go. Or hold on, mine's a little northeast and all y'alls are north. I think I need to maybe adjust and fine tune the compass. Now I know that doesn't work in the imagery, but just pretend our poles are moving. They're going to flip at some point. North will become south. South will become north. It's a whole, whole terrible thing. But in honesty, the imagery is what I want you to understand. That we're all in this journey together, all pouring towards north, and we all have a role to play in discerning that together. See, the Holy Spirit is our north. It moves our compasses. It draws us together. We were just talking this morning in our run-through that the Christmas Eve sermon, how magnificent it was, I'm sure, really was a God moment for one individual who completely just was knocked on his feet, off his feet, saying, I can't believe that you're talking about adoption because we're adopting a child tomorrow. Woo, that's awesome. And to hear these little moments of the spirit moving unseen and then being shown in seen ways is one of the most beautiful things I get to partake of in my role here at E3. We still have elements of fleshly desires and we always will. But Paul would say is not a great culture. See, every culture has a spirit about it. In every place, every church does. I'm so grateful that we are united in the Holy Spirit. Which gets us to numbers two and three that are tied. In building a healthy culture, you need time and people. Now, I put time first because we are all subject to time. I hate telling some of you this, but you're getting older right now. All of us are. None of us here, as far as I know, are actually getting younger, right? Because if you are, we have a bit of a, a quandary and we need to understand this. See, churches in the U.S. certainly promote programming structure and leadership to desiring people who have everything tied up saintly instead of on the hard work on building a culture with broken people. See, what I'm most excited about E3 is that we have a diverse group of people who are all united in this purpose of building the kingdom of God. And we use this idea called the centered set. As this comes up on the screen back here, I want to point back here. This is really, we're in the infancy of incorporating this in E3. I brought this up two years ago, and it really sets us well. But if you look at the bounded set for those who are new, it means that we have a set of beliefs that kind of bind us together, and that we all believe that, hey, there's these 22 or 27 doctrine statements that we say you're in the club or you're outside the club. Whereas the centered set says, I'm moving towards a fixed point named Jesus Christ, and when I'm moving towards Jesus, you see the fruit of my life going towards him. That means that we are united together in that common goal. Again, the imagery of the compass. But many of us will end up doing two, three, four, 10, 20 years in this idea of a center set is we create little circles of people we're uncomfortable with. Well, they voted for the party that I don't like. So I'll have a centered set because we're all moving towards Jesus, but oh man, these three dots up here, you know what they do? They like Florida football. They, they, certainly, they certainly can't inherit the kingdom of God that way. I'm not talking about Nebraska, Mike. And I say these jokingly. But we've even seen in this place when we have something that makes us comfortable, a group of people, an ideology, a belief, a fan base, it makes us uncomfortable. So we like try to say these people are not a part of God's kingdom. Friends, I have some bad news for you. When I read the Bible, the kingdom of heaven is awfully crowded. 
And hell's awfully lonely. And I believe the kingdom of heaven will have all sorts of people. The Bible states every skin color, every tribe, every race, every tongue is going to be in heaven. And if heaven's a crowded place, I better start trying to push and alienate people who I don't quite agree with on some trivial matter away from me, and I should incorporate them towards my journey of growing towards Christ. And that's why I love the diversity of E3. We have people who vote on both sides of the aisle. I love that. We have people of every skin color that I can see. I love that we have people who have diverse ideas and ideologies and that we can come together saying we're looking for that true north and we use the Bible and we allow the Holy Spirit to join in us to build a culture that incorporates all of us together. Hear me carefully. The working out of the center set model at E3 is a great church experiment in many ways, but one that will define us and delineate our congregation in Tallahassee for years to come. In my hope, generations. And will restructure the fallen culture characteristics without a doubt. But if you don't believe in the change in our church of people over time, I want to do just a real quick illuminative illustration if you'll bear with me. Because for some of us, we are still stuck in some moment and we forget about how the role of time affects our work as a church. So this is not what you're supposed to do as a church, but just for fun, if you've been here for less than six months at E3, including brand new guests, welcome, please stand up. If you've been here for less than a year, please stand up. If you've been here less than two years, please stand up. I have to say now, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? (laughs) For those less than three years, beginning the Scott Reign of Terror, please stand up. For those who just need a visual image of how our church is transforming, this is it. How about greater than five, just for fun? Greater than five. Sorry, less than five. I'm math good. Less than five. Less than seven. Less than 10. Less than 15. There's that big group I was waiting for. And there's who are founding members, please stand up. Or close to. Or anywhere in between those two numbers. There you go. Everybody should be standing up right now. Thank you. Now have a seat. Number four, leadership and structure. E3 has several small changes and also some big changes in our leadership and structure in the past few years. And this is not unheard of in a changing church. When one or three are refocused, then four or six in terms of the steps will be as well. And there's paradoxical relationship to new energy, fresh ideas, along with that need of consistency and experience. The old youth adage that I always hear is I want a 60-year-old in experience and wisdom with the energy of a 20-year-old. Those two don't exist together. E3 has a huge need for administrative process and continued growth in several areas. And let me brag for a moment. From our telephones to our website, our internal database, continued local missions to overseas revitalization, to frankly moving from a post-COVID to two services where every person who has been here should be applauded for our continued work, friends. We have a great leadership and structure. Pause for applause. Number five, a dash of vision. With every great strength, it's also an unforeseen weakness. 
No, this isn't some Mr. Miyagi moment, but just a statement of fact. See, the muscle-bound street fighter isn't as fast as the shifty or quick fighter, who isn't as strong as their opponent. But the challenge of massive vision is that it is exciting and palatable, but can easily and outweigh and distort time, people, and most importantly, the work of the Spirit. But there are times where a galvanizing vision can give purpose and meaning to the moments of flux, where the moments of transition and the current progress. The vision of the centered set is one example. People standing and sitting is another example of vision. But a dash of vision can be helpful in seeing what is difficult to see through time, people, and discern what maybe is already happening. In my house, we have a picture wall that's on our dining room table that my lovely wife put together. And I love to walk through and see the change in our children, which is marked and dramatic. But I also sometimes look at myself and say, oh my gosh, what is happening to me? Over time, I don't have that vision of who I am until I look at the old pictures of myself and realize who I am. I saw this yesterday at our wise council retreat where all our wise council and all our staff got together and really focused on what is the future and the opportunities for ministry at E3 in the next season of ministry. And it was a profound time of change, of throwing ideas out, of trying to name what it is that God is trying to do where we're being pulled and that vision collectively where we're being moved. Here's what I do know. E3 will continue to healthily grow through generational discipleship. E3 will lean harder into the fruit of the Spirit, and we will see the benefits as evidenced by our values here. The community of E3 will see the transformation slowly at first, and then also will begin to transform over time. What I love hearing is that people who are newer to our church continually tell me, this is the best church I've ever been a part of. But you're kind of like this best kept secret. The secret's gonna get out, friends. Sorry to tell you. Leaders who champion various ministries will begin to formulate in ideas of assisting the poor, discipling the young, camps for teens, serving those who are in need, rethinking their vision of the world and God's creation, creatively engaging in art and art creation, and inspiring, comforting, and challenging worship of our great God. But this growth will require a lot of rethinking. And also rethinking our resources and our building to do that work, which is the last one, building with resources. And ironically, I stayed away from this topic as a whole on my first few drafts of the sermon. But a conversation I had this week where I said, we need to talk a little bit about this building. Our building is least formative part of our ministry. It's number six. But also it is thought of as the place where the church is. For generations, people consider a building the church, when in fact the church is the people. And this building has been a fantastic home and will continue for the next season of E3. But just as a building no longer holds a family well, I do see limitations that 1190 holds on the possibilities of casting vision through leadership and structure to people over the time where people and the spirit will work. And that might be just it. The Spirit is prompting, in small ways, the necessity to be open with this space, where God may be calling us all next, even if in this moment is a little bit unclear. For those that hate change, this is not an anxiety-inducing moment that we need to go buy moving boxes. No. It's just a moment to realize that this is not our promised land. You are God's promise through the work of the Holy Spirit. Which brings us near the end of the sermon. And as the worship team comes out, I want to share a quick story about a past job that I had, which was selling insurance. Yay! 
But as we went through the processes of trying to sell someone dental insurance, yay, something that everybody loves to talk about, your yearly deductible, your ortho max, yeah, all those things, the way in which we always had to come back to is if somebody can ask the question, so what, you really haven't hit the mark. I've given you a bunch of information, six steps, and many of you are sitting there saying, so what? Well, what kind of culture are you personally building? One that is focused upon a legacy of wealth or one that is developed in the fruits of the Spirit? Do you see those fruits evidence in your life? Well, there's more evidence of the work of the flesh in your life. What type of structure is in place in your culture that lets you build your life? Are there positive leadership voices or are there negative ones that are more predominant? You understand the work that culture does. See, in your workplaces, in your families, and in your individual lives. But rarely do we ever consider how it came to be or the culture of the church that I worship in until it becomes inconvenient with my personal beliefs or it maybe challenges me just too much so then I obviously have to go find a new church. Friends, friends, let's be clear that as we enter into 2024, it's good to do a spiritual inventory of the culture that I'm cultivating in my own life, in my family's life, in my workplace, but also the culture we cultivate for one another here. I'm preaching to the choir because I love the culture here at E3 and I love each and every one of you and how you are all co-laboring towards us even if you're brand new. But as we move forward in this next song and worship together, continue this thought as you sing these lyrics and understand that God wants more of what you are bringing in cultivating culture around your life and how you may be an agent of bringing goodness hope, love, and all the fruits of the Spirit in huge and small ways as we worship together. Let's stand.